Well, hey, we're going to get into the book of Mark today, but I want to pray before we jump into that. Lord, thank you for today. God, thank you for uh, just the the sunshine this weekend. And Lord, uh, just, Lord, I thank you for the the group here today. I pray that you would speak, Lord, as as we look at the book of Mark, that you would uh, show us what you want us to learn and help us to focus on you in a deeper way. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so we've been in the Gospel of Mark. This is our second week back. We started the year in going through the book of Mark, walking through the book of Mark. And the whole point of going through the book um, was to learn what Jesus wants us to do. Like more than any other Gospel account of Jesus, Mark is the most action-oriented. Um, it's the one where Jesus is mostly portrayed as a model to follow. Um, and so that's, that's what we jumped into over the course of the year. We, we started and, and took a break in, in summer, and we're coming back to that. We're going to go till uh, November and just walk through this book together. And um, today we're going to look at a short passage that teaches us a real core truth about what it, what it means to live in the kingdom of God. Uh, Mark presents that there's there's really two kingdoms. There's this kingdom of, of this world that everybody's on, where kind of everybody's fighting for themselves and their own lives, and, 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 and it's a selfish kingdom, and it's a self-centered kingdom. And then there's this other kingdom called the kingdom of God, that when Jesus came to earth, he inaugurated. He said, hey, this is, this is what life is like um, in, when God's in control. And so he invites all of us to leave the kingdom of the world and, and participate in the kingdom of heaven. It's a kingdom that's now and not yet. It's a kingdom that is um, where, where God rules in our hearts, and it looks forward to a time when, when God will rule everything. So um, that's what we are participating in the kingdom of God in the gospel of Mark. And the, the core truth that we're going to look at is this today. And it says, um, in the kingdom of God, we succeed by serving. In the kingdom of God, we succeed by serving. We're going to talk about serving today, having a heart of service for others. Today is, is going to be a call to be a servant. That, that the, one of the core truths of being part of, a king, of the kingdom of God is having service in your DNA, wanting to serve others. And it's a call to be a servant where no one is excluded. No one in the kingdom of God is excluded from being a servant. We're all called to serve in different ways. And it's not just for those who have a a specific gift of service. Some people are hardwired to serve. That's what they love to do. God's put that in them. Even for us, like me, who are more selfish, we also have to learn how to serve. No laughs on that. You guys must be true. I'm sorry. Um, All right. But serving others isn't only for those with the gift of service. It's for everybody. Um, Serving others isn't only for those who were raised in a household that that taught them about service. I know many of, many of us look up to the, the World War II generation, right? Because it's a generation that served admirably in war and def- defended the world. And, and so some of us have put, kind of put the way that they served up on a pedestal. But the truth of the matter is, is we're all called to serve. We're all called to lay down our lives in different ways, no matter what year it is. Like we're all called to serve. And serving others isn't a small part of the Christian life. We'll see it's a way that we, a way that we operate. It's core to who we are as Christians. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I did not equate serving with success. I didn't think, I did not equate serving with success. I wanted to be one of two things when I was a kid. I either wanted to play point guard for the Seattle Supersonics, 
who are gone now. Or I wanted to be the president of the United States. That's what I wanted to be when I was in elementary school. And I was serious about the president thing. Like I memorized, I memorized all the presidents in order. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew the years that each of them served. I could tell you a little bit about each one. Like I was a nerd. I was like a presidential nerd. And you know what, I've, so far I've fallen short of those goals. Um, working on it? No. Um, but I was, you know, hey, did anybody else have a dream like that when they were kids? Anybody want to share? Tina, you want to share? <laughs> what was it? Solid gold damp, nice. Okay. <laughs> Any, anybody else? Else want to share? Uh, Ty. Nice. That, those are good. Yeah. Right on. Anybody else want to share what they wanted to be when they were kids? No. Well, hey, thank you for being brave enough to share, you guys. That's awesome. But yeah, as kids, we're taught to be ambitious, right? We're taught to look at the world and, you know, you hear that phrase, the world's your oyster. You're taught to go after it and, and find your path to success. Now, I've never understood that phrase, the world's your oyster, by the way. I don't, I don't really understand what that means. Um, anyways, we were told it, and the idea was go out and, and make something of yourself. Be ambitious. Go out and succeed. And, you know, when you grow up under that kind of expectation, you know, it can be kind of deflating when you don't reach those goals, right? Or maybe you had parents that, like, pushed you to, to be, you know, to, to be the next super sports star or, or a doctor or lawyer. Maybe you felt that pressure. I got to be ambitious. I got to be ambitious. You know, that, that uh, when I lived in Portland, I had a friend who graduated law school. And I remember this was, oh, man, I was probably like 10, 12 years ago. I was a youth pastor in Portland, and I remember sitting at his graduation, and there's all these lawyer, or future lawyers graduating, and, and there was that elementary school itch that came back, like, oh, man, I'm a youth pastor. I should have been a lawyer, right? Should have been president. I'd be, you know, and uh, that, that little dream came back as I'm sitting there watching my friend graduate from law school, like, oh, man, I, I missed my really, re like, realistic goal that I set for myself. Um, but the truth of it is, is like we can be ruined by our ambition, right? We can get so focused on what's next that we miss what God wants us to do right now. We can be so driven to succeed, anything short of it becomes failure. And if you're experiencing that, if you're living in a reality where, oh, I feel like a failure because I didn't reach, you know, my ambitious goals, that's not what life in the kingdom of God is all about. Life in the kingdom of God isn't focused on our personal ambition. It's focused on life with Jesus. And so we're going to look at Mark 9 today and realize that we're not the only ones who may struggle with ambition. That Christ's closest disciples struggled as well. His closest disciples struggled as well. There's something hardwired in humanity that looks for recognition and status. And so let's read today. We're going to start in Mark 9, 33. It says this. It says, And they came to Capernaum, and in, when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child, and he put him in the midst of them. 
And taking, taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So I want to explain a little bit about what this story is about. So Jesus and his disciples are traveling to Capernaum. So C Capernaum is a small town on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and that's like Jesus and his disciples' home base. It's like their hometown. It's where they started in ministry. And so going back to Capernaum is almost like getting respite for Jesus and his disciples. And the way they traveled, they traveled on a narrow path, like a hiking trail. And so you can imagine there's 13 men walking down this trail. And, and, and in the way of the Jews at that time, usually the rabbi would walk in front and, and his followers would walk behind. So that might be what's going on here, where Jesus is walking ahead of his disciples. And so they're kind of lagging behind and having a conversation. And I'm sure that Jesus knew what they were talking about, but he just kind of lets them spin. He lets them get on this conversation where they're arguing about who's the greatest, who's the best. This seems like a high school thing, right? Like they're just kind of jockeying for status and, and, uh, and arguing about who, maybe who's the best leader or, or uh, who's the best preacher or, you know, whatever. They're arguing who's the smartest, the brightest. And Jesus just lets them spin. You know, Jesus just lets them spin because he's building up to this teachable moment. Uh, they, they come into this house they, they walked into this house, and it was probably one of the disciples' own homes. In fact, the kid in this story, it could have been Peter's house. We know that Peter was married. It could have been Peter's house and actually Peter's child that Jesus brought out in front of uh, the disciples. But anyways, that's kind of speculative. Some, some people say that could be the case. Um, but anyways, they, they come into the house, and Jesus sits down. And in that time, if you were going to teach someone something, you did it from a, a sitting position. So it, it's like you sat down, and that gave a, a hint to everybody else to come sit down as well and listen to what you have to say. And um, he, so Jesus sits down, his disciples are gathered around, and he asks them, what were you discussing on the way? And it says they kept silent. You can imagine just sort of the shame in that room. Because Jesus knew. And there was no hiding. And they've been around Jesus enough to know that humility is pretty important to Jesus. Right? So they felt that shame like, oh man, what were we, what were we thinking? You know, they got all, all off track on their own stuff. And, and, and now Jesus is asking them, hey, what did you talk about? You know, they had heard this Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talked about blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek. They'll receive the kingdom of God. He, they've heard him say, he who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Like they've heard these things and so they're still caught up in their, their own stuff. So if you ever get, in, in, if you ever get discouraged like, man, I, I, never, I never learn or I can't get it. Like, don't worry, these disciples spent three years with Jesus in the flesh and they still didn't get it. You know, they still had these moments where they fell short and um you know they just they just couldn't help themselves and so if you ever feel like you're in that place with jesus where you've been caught like oh man here here i am again same old place you know jesus wants to teach us in those moments he doesn't want to leave us in our shame uh, he, do he doesn't want to say game over he wants to teach us you know if you're caught if you like i should i know i knew better i, I can't believe you know i messed up again Jesus is still there. He's still ready to teach. He's still ready to help grow. That's, that's the case throughout Scripture. 
And so here he is, he's sitting with his disciples, and he says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. If you want to be great, you've got to be the least. You've got to serve everybody. That's greatness in God's eyes. The person that's willing to serve everybody. The person that's willing to, 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 to empty themselves like, like Jesus. And, and if we follow Jesus, if we follow, follow God who came to earth, humbled himself, uh, took on the form of the ser a servant, the Bible says, and his life was continually an emptying out of himself, being homeless, like, uh, you know, continually taking the low road, then service and humility is our DNA in the kingdom of God. Like, that's what it's about. Like, it's about humility and service. It's core to being part of the kingdom of God. And it's core to how we relate to each other in the church. The church wasn't intended to have this massive hierarchy where certain people hang out with certain people and certain people are down here. No, like Jesus came and flattened that hierarchy. He flattened it and said, you're all servants. If you want to be great, learn to serve well. And we have gifts, of course, but those gifts aren't so that we can stand out. They're not so that we can make much of ourselves. They're to serve the church. They're to serve others in the specific ways that God intended. All the glory is supposed to go to God. It's not supposed to go to us. And this is what it says about gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives gifts of healing. So notice that our gifts are given to us to help others. And we need to be, look for ways to employ what God gives us into the service of others. And notice that, that Paul here is really careful to divide that God gives like one person, he doesn't give one person all the gifts, right? Like, to one person he gave this, to one person he gave this, to one person. We're designed to be interdependent. And, and we need, as a church, we need to be a gift where we, we need to be a church that empowers all the different gifts, right? That, that looks to empower each other and, and, and so that we can be a church that is mutually blessing each other. So... Um, So you could object to this idea, like, I don't know if I want my whole life to be about service, right? Like, that sounds, that sounds like a lot. I kind of like what I have going on right now. Um, life's pretty good. Life's pretty comfortable. Um, or, you know, and, and that's your choice, right? But if you want to live in the kingdom of God, and if you want to find the blessing that God wants to give you, then the choice is to follow him and serve. To not prop ourselves up. But, but to seek service of everybody. You know, it says servant to all. That means I don't choose who I serve, or I don't choose to serve the people that are most like me. Like, I choose to serve everybody. It's, it's, not, it's not just a command. It's like a, a mentality. It's a mantra, right? I serve everyone. And so as we do that, we find that blessing. We find becoming, um, becoming blessed by God. 
Like, then we have favor with the Lord, and there's nothing better than that. There is no freedom or joy or satisfaction like being in lockstep with God, like being in the will of God. That's the, the best um, joy. That's the best result that we could experience. So here, Jesus, in the middle of this conversation, uh, Jesus brings a child. And like I said, it might be Peter's child. It might be someone else's child, but um, they're in a house, and there's probably a lot going on. There's probably a lot of kids running along, but it says this. It says, and he took a child, and he put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So Jesus is saying to these guys, yeah, you want to be great? You want to be influential? Serve children. So children in, in that society um, were not, like, overly celebrated. They were not viewed as overly important. But Jesus is saying, you're so caught up in being the big dog. Why don't you just serve kids, right? Whoever receives this child receives me. A kid didn't have much to offer them in, in way of status or wealth. I know that I have three kids. They don't, they don't uh, offer a whole lot in terms of wealth, um, right? They're completely dependent, yet God calls us to, to nurture and care for kids like they're the most important person on earth, like receiving Jesus. Like if Jesus walked in this room, how, what would we, how would we respond to him, right? If, if Jesus opened the door right now and walked up, how would we receive Jesus? He's saying, receive kids like that. Give the importance that you would give to me, being in your presence, to a child. And I can say as a parent, there's a lot of times where I don't listen well. Any, any other parents have that experience? It's like, man, I know you got a lot to tell me, but man, I'm so focused on work or, or whatever I'm doing, and, and I, I'm, a, I'm half listening, right? And so here's the challenge to be like, no, if you want to serve and love, like listen to your kids, right? Receive them. Listen to them like you would listen if I was speaking to you. Such a great example, you know? And uh, I also thought, man, if, if you're, if you're a, a full-time mom, uh, man, this is a good passage for you, right? When you love your kids, when you sacrifice for your kids, whether, whether you're a, a full-time mom or dad, if you, if you, you know, sacrifice that time, that career, whatever for your kids, like that, that is kingdom work. Like that is absolutely valuable and precious to the heart of God. And I can tell you, like, I hope that when I die that my kids have good things to say about me, right? I hope my, my kids can see the ways that I served them, right? I think we all want that, that we all want, we, we all want to be to serve our kids well, love our kids well, show them Jesus well. And the alternative is, I don't want to be a success, I don't want to be a success at the expense of my kids, right? I don't want to be a success at the expense of serving. Like, I, I don't want that path. I want to take the time and margin and intentionality it takes to raise good kids. And to love people well. Not just, we're not just talking about kids here. The kid is an example, but it's a bigger thing. Loving people, the people that are in front of us, well. And that takes time, margin, and intentionality to serve.
And so, friends, there's nobody beneath our time and attention. There's nobody beneath our affection. The point that Jesus is making here is in the kingdom, we're all part of the same class. There's not the wealthy and the poor, which would have been very prominent in their time where the, the poor served the wealthy. We're all part of the servant class of the kingdom. There is no, if you have, if you have wealth, you're still called to serve. Like we're all part of the servant class of the kingdom. There is no hierarchy other than Jesus. Jesus is the hierarchy. So, don't you want to be a part of a community that is committed to serving each other like Christ? Where we all mutually serve each other. How much security is in that when we're looking out for each other? When we can trust each other not just to be serving our own interests, but looking out into our, our, our church family's interests and the interests of our community. Like, that's powerful. And that's the type of community that this creates. It's not, what can I get? It's, how can I serve? How can I serve my brothers and sisters? This has surrendered personal ambition to the cross, on the altar. So it's surrendered that. And God may lift up, right? He may, he may use it, you in an influential role, but that's not the point. No matter where you go or, or how successful you are, the point is always to serve. It's really interesting that before the New Testament, the world had, had no concept of servant leadership. No, the, the, and as Jesus would say in Matthew, he would talk about the Romans lording their authority over you, right? The, the Jews were subject to the Romans, and in Matthew he talks about lording your authority, lord, them lording their authority over you. And when Jesus came on the scene, he's the first one to model servant leadership. And so that is unique to Christ. And so, um, especially here in the, in the Western world, there's always going to be a push to trade in caring for others, serving others, loving others for personal ambition. We'll take the phrase, the pursuit of happiness, and that is always like individual and it's always based on what I can attain, like my status, my influence, my, my wealth. And that actually, if that is the main pursuit, it competes with the kingdom pursuit of becoming least and serving everyone. You can't have it both ways. You've got to choose. Am I going to make my life? And I'm not saying, you know, give all your money away. I'm just saying, what are you seeking? And it, maybe God wants to use what you have to, to bless and change the world around you. Right? And so the call here is to be a servant first. So this is what it looks like. Um, just if we could sum it up what I'm talking about. So the way of the world says... I want to attain personal success at the expense of loving others. That's the way of the world. That's the kingdom of the world. Personal success. Right? I want to serve others and, and, and put my own success on the back burner. And so whatever God, this is an attitude, the kingdom attitude is I'll go anywhere. I'll serve anyone. God, whatever you need. It's a change in heart orientation that allows us to serve who the world does not want to serve or forgets or neglects. 
And so that's, this is that kingdom switch. It's a kingdom life. It's a different life with different pursuits. But finding love and joy and community and security in that. And being in a community that loves each other really, really well. And loves the world. Now you might be like, man, that's scary to me. That's scary for me too, right? That's scary. But I just want to take us and remind us of what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Because he's not saying, give everything away and good luck. (laughs) Uh, Who would sign up for that, right? Give everything, give your time, give your life away. Good luck, we'll see what happens. That's not what Jesus is saying here. I want to remind us of what Jesus says in Matthew 6. Because he says his disciples, he tells his disciples, don't worry. Don't worry about what you'll wear, about what food you'll eat. Because why? Because I provide. God provides. God is ultimately our provider. If he calls us to something, he will provide. And just as a way of uh, reminder, let's go to Matthew 6, verse uh, 30. I'll start at 31, actually. It says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Man, I tell you, that whole don't worry about tomorrow thing is really hard for me, right? Um, As a uh, dad, as a pastor, as a leader, I'm always thinking about tomorrow. Like, what are we going to... You know, what's it going to look like? Or where's the, where's the insufficiency? Or, or what am I lacking for tomorrow? How can I be more prepared? But Jesus is saying that in my kingdom, I will provide. And that's your peace. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. If, you, if I'm scared about tomorrow, it's going to be really hard for me to give what I have today. Right? If I'm scared about tomorrow, it's going to be really hard for me to serve Uh, my brothers and my sisters. I'm going to be very, like, conservative in a way of, like, I I don't, um, I want to hang on to what I have, that idea of scarcity. Um, But if I believe what Jesus is saying, that he's he's got me, then I'm more willing to open my hands and give what I have today, however, whatever that might be, my time, my money, knowing that God has me. And he's saying that the pagans chase after all these things. So the pagans would refer to the Romans of that time. They believe in multiple gods. Um, and, they're, and, and they're also wealthy. They're like the, 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 the wealthy class that kind of came in and invaded Israel. And so you have people, on even Jesus' disciples, like Simon the Zealot. So Simon the Zealot, that means he wanted, he wanted to take like violent action against Rome, right? And yet he finds Jesus and and maybe in the beginning, I imagine a conversation like, hey, we're going to take Rome down today? And she's like, no, you're going to serve Rome today. <laughs> you know, I can imagine that kind of conversation. But anyways, um, he's saying that like you, you're observing that the pagans run after all of these things. And I'm telling you in my kingdom, don't worry about those things. I have you. I have you. Instead, seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom first. Um. Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. I think this is so key because I know I'm getting old enough to know I have limitations on what I can accomplish during a day. (laughs) 
and if I can just focus on today and ask God in the morning, God, what do you want me to focus on today? Like, he'll reveal it, you know? And that might be more time with my kids or, or my wife or just getting a, one project done, but just asking God, like, okay, God, what do you need from me today? This week, I was listening to a hymn. I was reminded of this hymn that I wanted to share with you. Um, it just really touched me as I was listening to this, and, um, you know, hymns are sort of like our... I want to say the word liturgy. They're sort of like what we have that reminds us. It's like our stabilizer from like year to year. Kind of, you know, we sing kind of the same songs and it reminds us of, oh yeah, God, you're faithful. And so there's this one called Thy Mercy um, that I listened to this week. I just really love. And I just wanted to share, I'm not going to sing it, um, but I will share verse two. And it just kind of, in the spirit of Matthew six and not worrying, um, this really, like, I just wanted to share the words here. It says, Without thy sweet mercy, I could not live here. Sin would reduce me to utter despair. But through, the, through thy free goodness, my spirits revive, and he that first made me still keeps me alive. It's just that trust in God. If God created you, like he created the grass, like he created the birds, he's going to keep you alive. He's kept you alive so far, Right? He's going to keep you alive. And I love that his goodness is free. Right? His goodness is free. It doesn't cost anything. It just, it just, it's free. He gives it freely. And then we live every day in this idea of mercy. That we're not, we're, uh, we don't get what we deserve. Right? We don't deserve anything. That's why we need to live in gratitude. We, we don't deserve this life. Like, the, the Bible shows us we're all, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God, yet God loves us anyways. He keeps us alive. He gives us day after day after day. So I love every, every part of that verse. Even the idea of the alternative, that if I was to chase my own ambition off a cliff, that sin would reduce me to utter despair. At the end of the day, I would be left with despair. But God's mercy has even saved me from that. It's powerful. Um, so here's the point today as we close. Uh, we can do anything when we trust in a sustaining God. When we trust in a sustaining God, we can do anything. We can make any sacrifice. We can serve anyone if we believe that God sustains us. We can become the least if we know that God sustains us. We can, we can serve really hurting people because we know that God sustains us. So my encouragement to you is trust in the goodness of God. Trust in his mercy. Trust in his life. And it might look like serving the homeless. It might look like inviting the lonely into our lives, listening well. It might be playing kickball with the neighborhood kids. Um, like, we had a family, I, we had a family growing up that, like, didn't have kids of their own, yet they organized, like, sports in the cul-de-sac I lived in, right? I always remember Clark and Georgia, you know? They just loved really well. Our opportunities are really endless. But my, my closing question is this. What will it cost you to join the servant class of the kingdom? What does that cost look like for you today? And this is not a question for, for you to figure out, but for you to ask God. Like, God, what... What do, you, what do you want me to do? What change do I need to make? What, what are you asking of me today? Because Jesus was always calling people to follow him. But some people were too distracted, too, in, too into their wealth. 
They were, uh, you know, too focused on the affairs at hand. They didn't want to enter into that relationship with God. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to close with communion. And, and the invitation always with communion is, is uh, while, uh, while Brian leads, um, we're going to ask that you just come and grab um, the, a juice and a, and a cracker. And, and it, it's bread, kind of, right? It's a space cracker. Um, but this is really a, a question for you to take home and, and reflect on, like, um, God, what are you asking of me today? Because I want to end, I want to share this passage uh, with you from, from Matthew uh, Matthew 20, because what you need to know today is that Jesus is not asking you to do anything that he didn't already do, right? Jesus is just calling you to follow him, and this is who he is. This is his heart. It says in Matthew uh, 20, 25, but Jesus called, to, called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. We've heard that. Um, and whoever would be first among you would be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to give his life so that we die, so that we could have life. Like, this is, this is a Jesus who's good who's worth following, who sustains us in every way. If Jesus died for you, he's going to sustain you. Right? If Jesus was willing to give up his life for you, he's going to see you to the end. And he's going to help you take hard steps uh, that you don't think you can, but you can trust him and know that, that he will meet you in that, in that place. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, we... Uh, Jesus, I just uh, want to sit in this call to serve this morning and Lord I know um, here we have so many people with, with servant hearts so many people serving their neighbors and, and, and serving their church community and, and uh, serving their families, serving their kids serving their spouses and so Lord I don't ask for anything new I just ask for an increase Lord that you would increase the love in our hearts that you would increase the compassion in our hearts, that it would overflow into more of it. Lord, that, that when we step into Blaine, that we would be a church that models how you served. Lord, that people could see Jesus in the way that we serve. Lord, that, that uh, we'd, be, we'd be willing to engage with anyone, that we'd be willing, willing to buy lunch for anyone, that we'd be willing to um, serve in any way that you want. And I'm so thankful already that, that, God, you've blessed us with a lot of opportunities to serve. God, a lot of ways to bless our community. I just pray for more. Lord, I just pray for new avenues to be opened up. I just pray for, for new people to be drawn in by the way that we serve. And I, I do pray, God, that if there is resistance in our hearts to the way of the kingdom, that you would help us to talk to you about that. Lord, you'd help us to have a conversation with you. What am I having trouble giving up? So that we can become the servants that you want us to be. Jesus, I pray, God, that, that our legacy would be the church that serves. Lord, that, that the city would continue to call on us when they need something. Lord, because they know that we'll step up. God, let us, let us not neglect this call. Lord, let us step into it. Lord, I believe that everyone in this room 
has something that you gave them, a way to serve, a gift, a calling. And Lord, if, uh, if people are wondering what that is, I pray that you'd make that incredibly evident. Lord, Holy Spirit, fall on us. Lord, you don't want to leave us in the dark, God. So Lord, help us to seek you. Speak to us as we take steps. God, help us to surrender in the, in the places of our lives where we need surrender. Jesus, so that we can reflect you and your heart to, to our neighbors, to our families, to our community, to kids. God, to anyone that you might bring in our path, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as Brian leads, you can, as you feel led, uh, you can come and, and take the juice and the cracker, and then uh, I'll come and, and pray, and we'll take communion together.